fungus. Feed the 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 fungus. Good morning, people. It is 6.13 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, on the 30th of April, Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And uh, this has been the Supermoon Week. This is the stream of random, and you're joining me on a walk in the morning. You hear the birds, the dogs, some huge transformer in the background just buzzing, the wind. Life is happening over here, kids. So gather around and I'll tell you a little story. So, uh, first of all, we're just going to give you a little bit of uh, what's happening in my life. And um, I have been plugging away at my idea in Blender for creating a three-dimensional um, representation of the... Uh, power system, the powers of primes, and it quickly goes way off the charts. So we're not going to be able to use any dimension to represent the magnitude of a number. If anything, we could use maybe the Y axis to represent which number we're talking about which of course is the the magnitude as well so it doesn't matter this thing is inherently complicated and we can only look at a small small piece of what's going on And considering that we have every single, every single um, power, or every single node is connected to every other node, um, it's going to be actually tough to manage all of it, to even visualize the entire combinations, but I'm working through it slowly. And I'm not going to torture you guys today with what I've been talking about in previous episodes. Let me just give you a quick recap. In case you didn't pay attention or didn't listen to all of it, with a pen and paper in your hand, just a short little summary. 
basically I'm working out a way to construct from zero a list of the primes prime factors the um, multiples of primes meaning the fundamental theory of algebra but do it in an order and a system that makes sense that you can do iteratively up to a certain point because you'll never be able to do all of it and create a, a three-dimensional structure or four-dimensional or n-dimensional structure something that you can look at from different dimensions or angles that makes sense in some way and it very well may be that we're only going to look at slices of it um, over time or at any given time interactively that it's not something that you can look at with one viewpoint it might be multi-viewpoint there might be infinite viewpoints from the viewpoint of each number let's say it's like what is this system from the viewpoint of the number 12 right what would it look like so we we're going to get there and it's going to take some time but um, I'm slowly building up slowly building up my whole model and theory of numbers and really what we're looking to do is make it human humanly accessible to give something more than I guess to give an algorithm that makes sense to approach these combinations and what order do we do the combinations do we do first you know, x times y define the primes and then we do what do we do next? how can we find all the factors? So we go through and we look at all of the um, We have the multiple factors. So anyway, you see I'm still confused and I'm gonna confuse you. So I'm still working through this and experimenting through it. How's that sound? It's not done yet. We might work through pieces of this on our show just because our show does that. We do actually walk through numbers and it turns out that it gives really a great insight at least to me to do it and maybe to a small percentage of you but I'll give you a warning if we're going to do that but today we're going to try and tell a story
And first of all, really, what we have to know and understand is that any talk of all the numbers is really um, going to necessarily be humongous. So even the primes are just a view. Well, once I do the um, first pass of X times Y, then I can look at each of the numbers that are resulting. And that will give me all the factors of that number. And then if we recurse that for each of those numbers, if we <clears throat> build up a new table called prime factors, I haven't done that yet, but the prime factors would be, we'll take only the primes. See, this is where I'm kind of getting at. Okay, so I am going to tell you the algorithm right now. So first we're going to say, for every number under a certain range, multiply it by the same numbers. Now, of course, there's the number multiplied by itself, the number multiplied by one, and the number multiplied by the numbers larger or greater than itself. So those can be excluded. Because we only need half. Okay. And we definitely don't need the one times everything. By the way, I need to get some hay to do the grass. grass seeds. Okay. So what's next? So we have this multiple table and then if we um, iterate over it and we have an index that says a hash table dictionary for every number give us a list of all the numbers that were multiplied in to create this number. So any number, if we go back through the numbers, or if we just sort them and walk through them in order, we will see that there's gaps. We could also just scan through the numbers and say, is it in there or not? In that list, is there anything that multiplied by another number will give this number as a multiple and we don't find it then it's a prime so we create the list of primes under a certain number like that by creating a multiplication table so that's the first step now i've gone on to creating the powers of the primes up to a certain point and they get huge very quickly and also, we're going to want to 
um, use the logarithm to say powers of two, we want more multiples of power of two than we do of three, and more of three than we want multiples of five, etc. So we're going to have to take logarithm base x, x being the number, the prime number, of some maximum to get our um, to get our maximum number. maximum exponent for each prime under a certain number. So we collect all the multiples of all the primes in a certain range. And that's our second set of numbers. So the first set first set is the multiples. Second set is the primes which are the gaps. And the third set are the powers of the primes. Okay. And now for each power for every single power of the of each prime we're going to multiply it by every other power of each prime. So we're going to actually enumerate all the powers of the primes and put them into a list and we're going to enumerate them and we're going to multiply them all against each other just like we multiply the numbers against each other except now we're going to multiply all the powers of all the primes against each other. And this will give us the prime factorization of all the numbers, you see? Because every single prime multiple multiplied by every single other prime multiple, okay, well we have to do this multiple times, we have to do this n times. So if we have 10 prime numbers, we actually have to repeat this process 10 times. So we'll have the first two primes multiplied by each other, and then we'll take that resulting set and multiply it by all the other primes again, and we'll repeat that process, creating successive sets now we're going to use the same rules like don't multiply by itself and only do the ones that are larger or smaller because we're going to have duplicates so we're going to create a new set called prime factors and then that's going to have the number and all the prime factors and there'll be unique prime factorization, except the ordering. So we want, of course, to put the lower ones first. We want a certain ordering to them. So we just pick one of them. So that will create a dictionary of 
all the prime factorizations. Okay. And now that we have the prime factorizations, we can walk through all the numbers and give the prime factorizations in order. And we'll see that there's a pattern to the complexity of the prime factorization. Right? Like how many multiples of two? And we see that the multiples of two go quicker. And we get into multiples of three. Multiples of two times three, etc. Two times three times five, which is thirty. Two times three times two, which is twelve. Two squared times three. And um, so now, if we take all the numbers underneath one number, let's say the first thirty numbers and we take the prime factorization of them, which we have discovered, and we draw lines where the z is the actual number. What was it? The y is the actual number. The z is the prime factor. And the x, the x is the prime factor, the z is the prime multiple, and the y is the actual number. And every time two numbers are multiplied against each other, we draw a line through them, and we put a dot where they meet in the center, which is the actual multiple. So all the composites are dots between the lines, and all the primes and prime multiples are, are there. And then we can also get... Now we still haven't gotten to our Pascal triangles, but we've given a coordinate system that's unfailing. And now... And now finally, we have the coordinate system and we can start applying um, visualizations on this structure. Like I was talking about, like multiplying two primes against each other. And it might not be a straight line, it might be a, two lines going up to a point. So every number that's a comp compound we'll have to see how that works. Can't make that decision now, but we already said the primes and prime multiples will be points. So if I have uh, 2 times 3 is 6. 6 will be a point between the 2 and the 3. 
Now it's not going up like they um, to the next level. Well, the six is up. So we might just have to, in order to get the Pascal Triangle, this will create the Pascal Triangle. Okay, so 6 will be a dot at Y6, and its X will be halfway between 2 and 3. Its Y will be 6, and its Z will be 1. Okay, so that will give its position. And 12 will be Z1, because it's the second power of 2. It'll be behind 6, and the Y will be 12. So it'll be up above 6 in the middle. So once we have all of these, then we're going to create different sets to look at in isolation. And to view the entire lattice of numbers from a certain perspective. I'm starting to really like this. And then, um, this should be straightforward to implement. Okay, so thinking about work here. Um, so what do you guys think about that idea? What do you think about it? Does it make sense? Is it understandable in any way? Aren't you itching to implement it, to try it out? And then I was thinking about 
the Pascalian system we were talking about that would give you a selection. So two times three is six. And um, that creates one triangle. And then three times five is 15. And that creates another triangle. Now the thing is, is that this is going to have angles. So you would have to, in order to get the flat triangles, we would have to um, adjust the heights of the Y. Instead of saying that six and 15 are, um, the Y is Exactly that number, we would say that it's adjusted by a factor like an exponent, and we maybe we can even define that that number. We could say this is this is a number that reduces, and I think it would be log. It might be log three of the number plus log 2 of the number which might cancel that out and bring it down to 1 so we'll have another might just be the exponent number the e so we're going to get into that next that we have another number um, that will flatten out the exponents so that the y will be scaled down. Okay? So for every number, we want to basically reduce it down to what powers of two what powers, um, what level of the triangle is it at? Let's say it that way. So the, or how many primes are being multiplied? consecutive primes are being multiplied against each other. So that's the Pascalian triangle we're talking about. In any case, that's a separate entity, okay? And a separate geometry. But we could be able to transform one to the other. We could first select all the items and then transform them and maybe bend the numbers down. So we'll have to see how that all works. If we can see, find some beautiful ratios or some beautiful function that would do that. Or it's just some kind of camera perspective.
So anyway, that's kind of uh, where we're going with this. Where we're then going to select certain items and maybe uh, scale them with some function to create those um, Pascalian triangles. Or take a Pascalian triangle and scale it up using a reverse function to actually find the Y. Well, that's simple. You just multiply the, the items and it gives you the Y. So we're going to get there. But those are different ways of indexing by selecting pairs selecting pairs and following some kind of binary uh, tree protocol through these numbers and um, what I'm hoping to do is come up with that type of algorithm that will actually generate the numbers in order the way that they appear and be able to explain that and I still haven't been able to do that okay So after that, we'll have all of the factors, all the prime factors for every number. We'll have a way of generating all the numbers in order using only prime factors and discovering the primes. That's the other attribute of this algorithm is we want to be able to discover all of these things on a piece of paper in order without any waste. So like a way to explain and tell a story about the numbers from the beginning. The story of the numbers. That's going to be the title of this episode. It's like, okay, kids, I have a story. First there was one. And then one was lonely and created two. And then one and two had a baby. And they called it three. Get the Holy Trinity. And then they had another kid. And it was four. But that was really just a factor of two. So now he had mama, dada, father, mama, dada, son, and daughter, let's say. And then you had five, which is a whole new line. Etc. So anyway, we're going to come up with some kind of story of the numbers. 
And today we're not going to step into the stream and get our feet wet. So uh, I got these boots when I was up there visiting my dad the last trip north that you were with me on. And uh, funny that um, it's funny that uh, these things are falling apart already. These Walmart hiking boots, the cheapest ones they had, they're already disintegrating. So um, I might actually have to uh, get some new boots. Some new hiking boots. So this is going to be my second pair of boots gone through. Or actually third pair of shoes gone through. Like in the beginning I had other pairs of shoes. I went through four pairs of shoes in this podcast. And I know what my dad's going to call me up and say. Mike, you're polluting the universe. You should go barefoot. You're causing a carbon footprint. Yes, I'm very evil, and also I'm extending my life by walking. And extending the the use of my knees by not jogging. And, um... That's also increasing my carbon footprint. For even staying a day one day longer is going to increase your carbon footprint, people. So life is evil. Just remember that. And this is your original sin that you can't get around. So the original sin is being a carbon-based life form and consuming and having a carbon footprint. And uh, the longer you live, the more you're going to consume. So it's really um, very, very bad. Very, 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 very bad. Okay. Is this the ford where I fell in the water? Or can I cross here? I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go down to the bridge. You would think that this company which claims it lives in West Trenton instead of Ewing. It's someone better than the rest of us. With this humongous campus and the building that looks like it's straight out of Mussolini's um, design book or Hitler's design book. I won't name any names, but you know who I'm talking about. The big insurance company in West Trenton that used to only serve big customers and now wow look at that there's two squirrels totally ripped up what looks like them this is some carnage I guess it could be a deer looks like some vultures are having a feast rib cage bones I had a tick yesterday that was crawling on me. It didn't bite me, but it was crawling on me. I caught it. 
after our walk. So I'm gonna be a little bit more careful. So, uh, so, uh, so, 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 so. So I was listening to No Agenda show yesterday. And, um, they were talking about Joe Rogan, who was telling people not to get vaccinated, who are young. And then Fauci was saying, that um, if you're young, see, this is the one thing I'm going to criticize. Okay, so is this so-called vaccine a, um, let's just talk about logic now. So true or false? This is like Hilbert's proposition of the middle. Like, it's either true or false but not in between true or not true or not in between so is it true or not true or not in between that the vac the so-called mrna vaccine doesn't actually vaccinate you against the covid it just boosts your immunity to reduce your chance of dying is that true or false and um I think that's what the deal is. So if it's true, if it's true, that it's not really vaccinating you, and that you could still carry after you've gotten boosted, after you've got this booster, after you've gotten this so-called vaccine, it's not actually a vaccine. But after you've gotten this immunity-boosting shot, that you can still get the virus, but you won't die from it, and you'll carry it. You're still a carrier, and you can still infect people. So if that's true, then what he was saying doesn't make any sense. Because that's, from what I understand, is the logic behind this whole thing, that um, logically you can still carry. That's why he said you have to wear the masks. So Fauci is really being illogical and making contradictions, which we've learned, if you contradict yourself, then your entire argument will collapse. That's the worst thing you can do, because once you believe in a contradiction, then you can prove anything. And I think that's basically what we're getting into. So I'm just going to say, logically, I'm not saying if these premises are true or false, but if it is so, then logically it's a contradiction, that's all. You make your own decision. Um, I'm gonna approach this from logic. I don't know the facts. I'm not a doctor, I don't know. But something smells fishy, how's that sound? All right. Something smells fishy, kids. And um, the argument might just be here, well, we know better than you, and 
you just do what we tell you to do because we know better. And that also smells fishy. How's the car noise level here? It's pretty damn good, right? This is my new route that avoids all cars. And I don't know if you could consider it trespassing. I'm walking on the lawn of some humongous corporation. I didn't see any no trespassing signs. Stay off. People walk here all the time. Sorry about that, I pulled the microphone cable out. For most people, this would be a chance to just stop the tape and edit that out. But Arrow said that we're celebrating creativity. and Everyone makes mistakes, that's why we don't edit. We're not gonna whine about it, kids. It is what it is, and if anyone wants to edit this show, and produce a new version of it and cut out all the pauses and the ums and the so ah. Uh, you are welcome to do that. And if you want to post it on YouTube, then please do that. Because I'm banned for life from YouTube. So, if you want to post it on Facebook, go ahead. But you know, it's not juicy enough for most people. They're going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Numbers? What well, do I want to listen to that? Where's the conspiracy theory? Oh, that thing about logic? I don't get it. What's logic? What's a contra? A what? Contradiction? <laughs> he said dict. <laughs> so. But I know that you understand me, my listener. And if you don't, I'm sorry, I'll explain it to you again. A contradiction means a logical fallacy. Where you invalidate what you previously said. And now this is coming to a head with the two streams meet. The gold run and the other stream. And I'm gonna have to jump across this and possibly land in the water and possibly get my feet wet but we're going to have to go back but luckily they put a big rock here for me to jump on and we made it this is live action movie here live action jackson 
life stuff is happening here on the stream of random. We're jumping across streams. We're getting ticks. Things are happening. Shit's happening, kids. So today I'm sporting a neon hoodie that I got at Walmart plus my neon vest. So I'm in double neon today. I got a double whammy neon. So people are going to see me, I'll tell you that. So we visited the Jewish graveyard yesterday. With a Jewish section at the graveyard. And we're observing the stone counts. And some guy had a lot of stones on his grave. And another guy, someone removed all the stones. They swept them off. Because you could see the shadows of the stones. So it's almost like someone stole the stones from another person's grave to put them on someone else's. And I wonder if you're there for long enough, do you bring stones with you or do you steal them? This is a whole game theoretical question, behavioral question that we have not explored yet on this podcast. If you're going to a Jewish graveyard to put stones, do you bring stones with you or do you just steal them off of some other person's grave? And if you steal stones off someone's grave, then who's going to steal stones off your grave? You know? And where does it end? Is it a popularity contest? But I think the stones are better than just big pink balloons that we saw as well. Some gouty balloons. Everyone celebrates their lives differently. So we're going to celebrate the diversity and say pink balloons are cool. We should have a party for pink balloons at grave sites and not judge them. We should celebrate them. Even if we wouldn't do it that way. Because that's diversity. And we're celebrating diversity here on the Stream of Random Podcast. Let me tell you. Just thinking about work again, kids. But isn't this nice? I've, 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 I've found a path. 
that avoids all the cars. You haven't heard any traffic at all so far. Well, maybe in the very beginning I would have had traffic, but I could also skip those. So we're getting there to, to have the traffic-proof walk, which is in itself a feat. So to get back to the numbers, to the story of the numbers, one is not a prime, it's a unit. Two and three are the most populous primes, and everything else has less dense factors. It has unlimited, every prime has infinite number of factors, of multiples. Just some have are less dense in our realm of limited view in our biased small world that we live in and it really forces us to think that there is a prime number that is bigger than us I mean we talked about resolution of the brain and there's definitely a prime number that's bigger than anything that we can conceive of. It's just right out there. It's not far away. And it's bigger than anything we could ever comprehend during our whole life. Or even greater than society and the planet Earth and all of that. All life in the universe. How's that? The billions of years that all the atoms in the universe have existed there's a prime number that's bigger than that, easily. And all the possible interactions between all the atoms, it's bigger than that as well. So, <clears throat> unrepresentable inside of our universe. It's just right there. And that's a, that could be considered to be unit one, like we talked about. So we have a unit size of anything. And let's just pick something that we are familiar with. We have a biased unit. You know, like an inch. Tip the length of a bone of our finger. Or digitalis, whatever it's called. Phalanx. Um, different bones. We never actually completed our uh, finger counting system. But I saw a YouTube video on how to count to a thousand on two hands with ten fingers. So obviously people have gotten out to that as well. And eventually we're going to get there. But we're kind of getting into more of the rules. So we have one and two and three as part of our story. And four, as we said, is the daughter who is, completes the, uh, the family of five. And, um,
five is uh, the next prime number. Now, we don't know five, five is a prime number yet, right? So first of all, we're gonna have to put some limits on this whole thing. Until we look at all of the, until we look at five times five, and five times all the numbers, so up to 25. We have to look at all the multiples up to 25 before we can even determine that five is a prime, right? Because we won't know yet. And we have to look at all the numbers up to 36, six times six, to determine for all the numbers under six, I guess all the numbers under six. So six, the square root of six, well, two times three, we already know it's a fact, it's a uh, prime. And we know that five can't be divided by any of the numbers that came before it. So we have that information. So we don't need to go up to 36, sorry, my mistake. And obviously I make mistakes here. We just gloss over those, right? And we've kind of got, gone through this list before, many times actually. Imagine Dragons, Believer, that's the song we were listening to yesterday. Believer, pain. Okay. So six is the first three times two. So we had two squared already. So we immediately moved into the realm of powers of two. And really what we're looking at is the ratio and also the geometric ratios between the numbers, these angles that we were talking about. going on and on and on about. So this is kind of the story of the numbers. So we go to two squared and then we get to three times two. Right? And we go seven, which is a new prime. And then we go straight to eight, which is three, is two to the third. So we're going back to the twos. Because the twos are packed tight. And we're gonna have more powers of two than powers of three. And we could just do the two times three, times two, times two, times two, and two times five, times two, times two, times two, right? So eight times three, 24, eight times five is 40.
so maybe we should do all of those ahead of time and just put them out there and have them prepared. And that kind of gets into the algorithm we are talking about before. So maybe what we need to do is when we discover a number or a power, we should multiply it and it's a prime power or prime factor, we should multiply it by all the other numbers, all the other prime factors we found so far. So if we do that, that won't give us everything in order, there'll still be gaps, but it might be a good algorithm for finding everything. Well, isn't that what we do in the sieve of Rathenes? By just putting out all the twos, just fill out all the twos? Are we just not reproducing his algorithm in a different way? Are these all not just different sieves, filters? Well, I don't want to go in and put in all the multiples of 2 yet. See, this is the thing. Because we do 2 times 2 is 4. And then we get to 3. 3 times 3 is 9, so we put that in. 3 times 2 is 6, we put that in. 4 times 3 is 12. We put that in. 4, four times 2 is 8. could put that in. And that already gave us the 5. And we multiply 5 times 3, 5 times 2. So 15 and 10. And then 5 times 4 is 20. 5 times 9 is 45. 5 times 27. So we could go through and... Um, So yeah, I'm not sure, are we going to multiply <coughs> I guess we need to have some rules here. Anyway, I'm not going to torture you anymore, so we're, not, we're done with this, it's been an hour. And you're already cursing me. We said no complaints. We should be grateful that we have this time together to talk about numbers. And maybe you have an idea. Send it to me. Let's talk about it. I'd love to hear. Look at the 
the page of algorithms for prime numbers in Haskell is just crazy. The amount of complexity they have in there. I'm actually walking counterclockwise to how I normally walk. And I like it. I like to walk better. I never liked walking up that hill. Not that way. Dogs on out today. Tomorrow we're going to get fence posts, lots of fence posts. People are selling reclaimed fence posts, but they're so super expensive now. All building materials expensive. the dollar is becoming weaker. Inflationary. This is just the nature of inflation. That the more money is injected into a system, it washes out. Yeah, I'm thinking about work again, God.
Okay, guys. So what are we going to talk about now? On the stream of Random Podcast. Something to make it count. Good morning. How are we going to make this count? I don't give me no... Oh, let's look at the story of the number stuff. Blah, blah, blah. I don't really have anything. I'm waiting for a chicken jar to reemerge. He's been busy, busy, busy. And um, I've also been busy. Well, how's this? I'm going to put this on pause and then we're going to think about something. And if I come up with something to say, I'll come back. five minutes. It's still pretty good. 7,000, 8,000 steps today. That's also good. So we're definitely going to do our 10,000 steps. And um, I've been feeling great. Oh, and our air conditioning's working great too. I mean, not great, great, like super great, but it has been made it has made the house pleasant so far we're waiting for the big test soon we might have to increase the uh, blowing capacity the fan or something i don't know I never thought we had an attic, but we actually have a tiny attic. We have like, but in the second floor, we have a small, the apex of the triangle is crossed out. So there's a tiny area. I suppose we could put insulation in. And, um, Yeah, so I think for the algorithm, what we talked about before is um, we're going to multiply, if we discover a new number, we're going to multiply it by all the prime numbers we found previously and just put them out there. But we're not going to start multiplying those until we actually reach it through the... um, until we reach it through this, uh, the singular stepping, the addition. So when we reach two, two squared, yes, we'll multiply that by two to get eight. 
but it hasn't been reached yet, so we're just going to put that out there. Once we've reached 8, then we'll multiply it by everything. And then we can mark 7 as a prime. If we reach 6, we don't need to multiply it by anything because 6 is 3 times 2. reach 8, then we can do 8 times 3 is 24, and 8 times 2 is 16. See, you can mark those out. And then we can do all the 7 times 2, and 7 times 3, everything underneath it. So we're going to multiply each prime that we found through stepping by all the previous primes that we found and just mark those as future factors and continue that way. I think that's a reasonable way to continue and then that will slowly fill out the sieve and then well that also gives the shape to the matrix so when, if we're constructing this three-dimensional structure um, we're going to build it in a spiral shape, it looks like. It's going to go from 2 to 3 across the x-axis. And then it's going to go up to the, y, the z, the z, back to 2, to the 4, and then, then across to the 5. And then up to the 6. So it's going to spiral around, and then 7, and then 8. So it's always going to go left and then back up right, creating a spiral. So that's also kind of neat. As an animation. Now we could render that animation and show how the system is slowly growing. To tell a story. And then we might see a pattern emerge. And I'm thinking that if we create a fixed angle we could actually create a rendering which is going to be like a rotation a matrix a camera angle perspective transformation so we might be able to choose these geese are attacking each other. We might be able to choose some kind of certain angles for each frame and render them and do that all without 3D graphics or with or whatever.
I guess it could be Blender. Why not? I mean, I've been working on Blender. I was hoping to do much faster wireframes. Morning. In any case, these are some of the different uh, ways we can tell a story. And eventually, the two will be multiplied against every other number. But we won't get to them until later. So we're not just gonna sit there and churn out the twos. And um, necessarily, the amount of times it'll be involved will be it'll double, like, the span of the two will double every time. Even two times two, we can see how that goes up. And then how the primes go across and get bigger and bigger and the duplicates of them. Like there's a whole table of the multiples of two times the primes. That's this whole thing. And then there's the multiples of three times the primes. So each of those is its own table. Multiples of five times all the primes. So each of those is a slice like we talked about yesterday. And maybe they'll live on an angle, as a slice on an angle, going away from a center point. In some multi-dimensional structure. It's just amazing how dense the numbers can be. And how we can reach all of them.
using bigger and bigger primes. And the prime will be given a clump of numbers and you can reach all of them using multiples of the ones previously. The next prime will be the next hole that you can't reach. The next point that you, that, point on your back that you can't scratch. So that's like the story of the primes. And it's necessarily so. getting into some yeah and how we reach something using primes that's the prime factorization common multiplier is also the union of the prime factorizations. Including the powers. So if something has the power 2 to the 3rd and something has power 2 to the 2nd, the union of that will be the power of 2 to the 3rd. So you're oaring them against each other, really. And that creates a new prime factorization for a new number, which is the least common multiple of two numbers, where you have to go up. cleanup. And I'm talking, I'm on the podcast. I was just writing to someone at work. God. I wonder what that sounds like. 
it's really very beautiful here and I'm very grateful to be able to go on these walks and um, not even be crowded to have this whole place to myself, the whole park. Like how many people did we see this morning? Three? Four? I should be very, very thankful and grateful. Other people are locked up in cells where they live in the city. They have um, houses, row houses, with no space, no privacy, with cockroaches crawling between them, hearing the neighbor scream at each other, not having any space, or living in an apartment building in the 15th floor with garbage piled up in your stairwell. with hoodlums living next door and big doors with 20 bolts on them for a reason. And no nature at all. I'm very grateful, let me tell you. And the rivers form natural boundaries just like the prime numbers. And I'm starting to really see how this all fits together. To fill out the space. get away from the idea of the linear number system. See, that's really what we're trying to break down here, guys. We're getting rid of the idea of the linear number system, and we're replacing it by a three-dimensional number system, or multi-dimensional number system. Of prime factors each of which are like a wheel spinning. Like the two is a small wheel, and the three is a larger wheel. And the five is even larger. And the seven is even larger, and each of them are spinning at a different speed. So you can imagine the seven is at zero, but it's slowly creeping up as we go. So by the time we get to the number seven, the seven will have reached one. <clears throat> and then the two, three, and five will have all rotated back to zero. How's that for an imagination? So you start with a, the one spinning, and when it goes around twice, it gets to the two. When the two goes around, and then the one spins again, it creates the three. And the one will just go from one to zero, okay? The two will go from one, two, zero. And the three will go one, two, three, zero. Okay? Now the four doesn't exist as a wheel, so.
how does it four? Well, it's just two rotations of the two over time, so it doesn't even exist. I guess we need to just say that the four is the second rotation of the two, where the one has gone back to zero. And then the one comes back for the number five. Well, actually five is its own wheel. So the five is slowly ticking and then it finally clicks once we get the five and the two has gone back down to zero after the four. And the one doesn't really count because the one will be after the four, there is the one that's gone back up. And then one will go back down to zero. And the two will have rotated three times to create the six. So I think we would see is the three clicking and the two clicking. Or do we need two wheels of two? I think that's what we need. We need two wheels of two, and the second one is twice as big as the first one. And the third one is twice as big as the second one. So we have these wheels that are multiples of each other. So we have the four wheel. And the four wheel spins twice as slow as the two wheel. I think we could have some pretty good animation here with this one as well. With these just these humongous wheels spinning. And then clicking. Like the wheel of fortune. And they're all spinning at the same speed. Being driven by the one. So you crank the one along. And everything is going to be clicking, including the most humongous wheel of ever, which will click after a millennia, after the end of the universe. So you have the whole universe sitting on this humongous wheel. And when it clicks one time, the universe will be, have lived and been gone. scale of it and your brain can only comprehend so many of these wheels at a time and even the two wheels are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger infinitely all lined up in one direction but I really like this image I think that's going to make a great animation and we could just do, you know, when we showed that the prime factors of up to 30 is six times two, 32 is eight to the fourth, the fifth, 
7 times 7 is 49. We'll have an 11 in there. We'll have the 13. So we'll have some different primes that will just start to click. Um, and I guess every time we reach a point, a certain point where the one ticks and all the other numbers are going to be at a certain position, then we're going to create a new prime. So the five will be created when the four finishes ticking and goes back to zero, and then we have a one. So the three will be in the two position. It won't click yet. The two will be at the zero position or the one position, and it won't click yet. And then the one, so it'll say the two wheel, the three wheel will be the two. The two wheel will be at one. The one wheel will be at one. And the five will be created because there is no, the five will be created then. And it's like, okay, well the three wheels at two. There's a remainder of two to get to five. The two's wheel will be at one. So the remainder of two plus one is three. And then the one wheel will be again at one because it's an odd. But all of those point to five. Because the nine wheel, which is three squared, will have not yet completely ticked. So it rotated one time. And the four wheel, which is two squared, will have just completed and be at the one-fourth of the way around. The two-wheel so none of the wheels will be on any even spot. So then we can conclude that we need a new wheel starting there. And that's magnitude 5. So we need to have something that builds up, let's say, some water that's filling up 
into a column and it'll fill up five columns and either that will at four the four will open the water will flow into it because the four will just open just right and the water will go across but for the five it won't go across and then we're going to create a new wheel of that magnitude at that time when we've noticed it's needed and then we'll install that wheel so we're gonna have a wheel uh, creation and then when we go to six if we go to six we'll see that the three will have ticked and the two have ticked and those will be on their marks so it'll be three times two and then when we get to the seven the three will be at the one the two will be at the one the five will be at the two So for every prime number, we'll have a modulo in all the other primes, and all the other prime multiples. And if there's always a modulo, that'll indicate there's a new prime number needed. And I wonder if there's a relationship between the modulo So, 2 to the 4th, 2 to the 2nd, we'll have a modulo 1 for 5. And 2 will also have modulo 1, so that's 2 numbers, 2 modulos left over. And the 3 will have a modulo 2, so that's four, and if we take the one, then that actually equals five. So if we add them all up, it creates five. How's that? Now for seven, the five will have modulo two. You'll have a one, so that makes three. The two will have modulo one, so that's four. The four will have modulo one, so that's five. Hmm. Did I miss something? So let's start with one. So one will be, the one wheel will be one. The two wheel will be one. The four wheel. The three wheel, ah, the three wheel will just have tick, so it'll also be one. So we have one, 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 that's three. The four wheel Okay, now the four wheel 
is just one before eight. So that will have three. There we go. So the four wheel will have three. So now we're at six. And the five wheel. We'll have two. So that's eight. Hmm. Doesn't add up. I'll have to do this on paper. I'm just trying to see if we can add up all the re residual modulos on all the wheels and if it'll add up to seven. Okay, but I like this visualization. So we add the seven wheel and then we go to eight. which is another wheel of four times two, twice the size. But um, the five wheel for eight, well, the seven wheel will have a remainder of one. The five will have a remainder of three. So that's four. There's no six wheel. So we're at four now. The three wheel will have a remainder of two. So that makes six total. And the four and two wheels will have clicked. And one will be at zero. So there will be remainders on the wheels. I guess all the bigger wheels will also have remainders as well. Like the nine wheel We'll have remainder eight, right? Because it hasn't ticked one time yet at, at the state of eight. We haven't even, let's say, created or included the nine wheel. And all the wheels greater than nine, the infinite number of them will all be at the number eight. So we always know what time it is by looking at the next biggest number, the next biggest wheel. And we always know what the next biggest wheel would be because we always know that the power of two will always give us a wheel twice as big, which will faithfully count out our current position. Okay, does that make sense? So the modulo if you haven't, if it's not divisible one time, the module will always be the actual number.
I'm just thinking about making a tour of the most beautiful cities in the area. I'm just going staying there for a day. Yeah, today we're reversing our path, actually. It's pretty neat. I'm gonna see if we can get through without having to walk next to a lot of cars. To make the perfect silent and peaceful walk. So I've been playing with Blender and trying to figure out the um, splines and to create a spline that's actually a line. And maybe I have to construct it programmatically next. I was trying to create it manually. I guess if we have two control points with no no handles, when is a spline a line? And we're thinking, I was thinking about, you know, how we said go up, multiply two numbers by each other and go up. Well, we could use a spline to represent that as a curve. So basically, Given three points, construct a spline that will create an arc that passes through all, th starts at one, goes through the third, the second, and concludes at the third. That's the mathematical question. What are the parameters of that spline, given the three-dimensional coordinates? I guess I'll have to work that out. That sounds like a problem. Sounds like a job for math. Bum, bum, bum. But I really like this wheel. I think we're gonna create this, these huge wheels, like the Wheel of Fortune, or spinning discs, and construct them programmatically as well. Like, what would it look like? Well, a circle, extruded, and then split up, bisected, or trisected. Angles, so find out how many angles are in a slice, and then construct those slices together. Give them different colors, even. some numbers on them and then rotate them into place scale them and it's really just a question of scale but uh, 
I like this. We're going to construct wheels in Blender of different sizes, gears. Interlocking gears. And then, if we're going to drive this whole thing, which gears will lock into what gears? Like, how do you go from the three-wheel to the two-wheel with a gear? What will that look like? What type of gears do you need to drive them? What are the harmonics? the size of the teeth. How can they be simulated? And can we use a physics simulator to do it? Can we have water pouring down being the stream of endless numbers or time spinning something? A scoop. two spin the four, and the four spin the eight, and what are the ratios of their distances, and how many, how many arm armatures will we need, will they be bolted to the ground, how much space will this whole thing need? Imagine these humongous metal wheels weighing tons. It's like, these are the prime numbers. And we're out of coffee. All right, kids. Now I really think we've had enough for today. So I'm going to say adios, ade, adieu, auf Wiedersehen, Tungeta, sayonara, see you later, have a great day.
feed the fungus. Feed, feed the fungus. Feed the fungus. Feed the fungus. Feed the fungus.